How's that for an intro, ladies and gentlemen? What's up, boys and girls, children of some ages? Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Friday night, 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Your place to have an unfiltered experience every single Friday night with myself, Christopher Roush, and... Scott Goyette. Scott Goyette. What's up, Scott Goyette? What's up, Scott David Goyette? Um, How you doing, I'm, a, I'm embracing my feminine today. Um, my wife <laughs> is having her... Um, her uh, what do you call it? Um... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Just woman's retreat. Midlife crisis? What? No, no. It's a woman's retreat. They have 30 women who are going out to a ranch that's right here in Austin. And so a bunch of them flew in last night. So I've been kind of the token masculine figure figure just talking about women's issues and woman stuff for the last day. So it's nice to just sit here with you. Yes, yes. Well, welcome, welcome, welcome. Cheers, cheers, cheers. I've got my, I broke out my old Deadpool cup. So cheers. Okay. I'm having a little vodka and uh, Pepsi tonight. So that's my little that's my little cocktail for tonight. No Jack Daniels. I'm going to steer away from uh, dark liquor for a while and see what happens. Except there for it's go. dark Pepsi. But, hey, wow. How's your week been, man? Uh, it's been um, a lot. Well, we've been trying to like, build things, do things. It's um, Sometimes you set yourself up to do more than you thought. And then I was offered another class to teach and it's a money-making opportunity. You know, like things just got put in my lap. Here's the deal. You and I both know how this works. There's Scott to Universe a few weeks ago. I need to make more money. I want to do all these things. And then I sit back and I'm like, oh, shit. I just asked for that. So I literally <laughs> got everything I asked for. But now I have to make the time to do it. So I'm making more money. I got more clients. I got more classes. And I'm almost like, maybe I should have just said, hey, Universe, give me a whole bunch of money without doing any more work. That's what I really was trying to say. Well, it's funny you mentioned that, dude. It's funny you mentioned that because uh, I heard a story the other day where we were talking about, you know, what we wish for, you know, be careful what you wish for, be careful what you wish for. Somebody was telling me a story that this lady apparently was a news story or something like that. She begged and begged and begged, prayed, 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 please let me win the lottery. Please let me win the lottery. Please let me win the lottery. She won the lottery, dude. She won the lottery, but guess what? Here's the thing. No, no, no. She won a lot of money, but here's the thing. Oh, no, no. There's no smile. She won the lottery and she decided to buy her son a sports car. Oh God! I don't even have to finish that sentence. I don't even have to finish that sentence, do I? Bought her son a sports car. It's Boom! I get the I get I get I get I get the chills when I think about that. You know, you want something so bad and you think you're ready for it. So here's the thing: people have told me when I ask for things, make sure you say for your greater good. Um, and there was another thing that, that somebody said, but it was funny. But my wife told me today. Um, interestingly enough, she goes, "I have been saying that you know my wife, that one that doesn't do personal development or anything else." She told me, she goes, Chris, this is, this is kind of weird. I've been saying this thing over and over for like the last few days and I've been getting these crazy leads and these crazy referrals. And here's what she's been saying. Um, shit. All right. Full disclosure, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not 35. <laughs> she said, I don't chase. I attract what belongs to me will simply find me. I don't chase. I attract what belongs to me will simply find me. I was like, from my wife, really? Wow, that was so I put it on my monitor. I'm like, I kind of dig that. I do self affirmations anyway, but uh, yeah, we got to say, we always got to say for our greater good. Otherwise, the universe might say, Well, you asked for it. Oh, yeah. I, I've had that conversation probably five times this week with being very specific on your manifestations because, like, say, for example, if you want a new relationship and you say, I want somebody loyal and you end there, well, you might get somebody loyal, but they might be abusive and, you know, all these other things. So you've got to say, I want somebody who's loyal, who loves me. And this is what the love with that person feels like. And this is exact. And you got to create it in greater detail because the universe is literally giving you what you asked for. I literally said, I want more vehicles so that I can deliver my brilliance. But in my mind, I was kind of thinking more coaching clients and this and that. And then it came in other vehicles and then I'm bitching about it. But I literally got what I asked for because I was rushing on my own manifestations, not practicing what I preach. So... I've got to go back to the drawing board and deal with the, what I've manifested now and re-manifest. <laughs> and it's not a bad thing, but what right. it, it's, it's, it is funny because the truth is you get so good at manifesting. It happens so quickly. And then you're like, damn it. I've got to be that. Like, if I'm going to be this good at this, I got to get exactly what I want, not what I said. So you got to speak it. You got to fulfill. You got to like lay it all out there, make it crystal clear. So. I just keep wondering, based on what you just said, I just keep wondering why I keep manifesting people just leaving my life and just like ghosting me. I must be, please, please let another person ghost me and not, and not want, and what, 
it's crazy. I've been manifesting lately. People have just been fucking trippy. So I got to be careful I, what I'm manifesting. I guess maybe when I'm happening, are you? Yeah, because what? No, what, what do you? Maybe maybe you're like trying to pave. Are you asking for something bigger that's paving a pathway for you to get somewhere? Or are you specifically asking people to leave? No, no, no. That was a joke. No, oh, it's, it's I just weird. You were, people, I thought you were serious. No, people, like, <laughs> no, people have just been ghosting. So I'm like, I don't wake up in the morning and go, my intention today is to ghost, have people ghost me. It's just, it's been weird. But like to your point though, that actually might be a thing since I'm asking the universe for more and I'm doing it on the right Space reasons, created. then maybe those, those people are just falling to the side and that's all good. So yeah, either here nor there. for those things to happen is all that's happening. Exactly. Exactly. I've, I've had a good week. I've, I've done a lot, had a lot of good conversations with myself and conversations with some people and uh, yeah, it's all good. So I'm excited for the conversation tonight. So we're going to jump into it again. We're going to jump again. We're going to jump into it. Now we got Robert in the house. Robert says, greetings, Christopher up, and Scott. Brother? What's up, Robert? Thank you so much for being here, brother. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Got Jacqueline Rose in the house. Jacqueline Rose, you're upon on. I can't remember the Daniel Diamond song. Uh, she says, hello, Christopher and Scott. Uh, Robert says you might wind up with Bubba. What is that? Like a jail cell reference? reference I know. You know what's funny is I call call my son Bubba all the time. And I have no idea why. I'm like, that sounds like a a total hick thing. I would be like, hey, come on, Bubba. But I just say, hey, what's What's up, Bubba? Bubba? We actually called our puppies Bubba, our daughter Bubba. It's just like an endearment. And when you say it, not like a NASCAR way, like, hey, Bubba, (laughs) it's okay. What is that? What is that comedian with the with the thing? Um, Jeff, Jeff Dunham. You don't say it like, come on, Bubba, doesn't he? He, has, on, a, he has a he has a he has a hey, puppet that name that's named Bubba. Yes, yes, yes. So, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, whether you're here live or on the replay, thank you for being here. We appreciate you being here every single week. We're here 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Put it in your calendar. And tonight's intention tonight is really just to impart upon you again an unfiltered conversation between myself, Scott, and our guest that that you take notes and that you take something away from this conversation that you can apply and more importantly, that you can share. That's been an important thing that I've been finding, Scott, is in, with people that I'm talking to is like, you know, whether Clubhouse or on the show or doing live, whatever it might be, I'm like, please just take this information that you've got, this little jewel, whatever that one little nugget you get from this, this hour conversation, whatever you get, please go share that with somebody else because there's a lot of people out there that are struggling right now. And the one thing you say to them or just even checking in with them might be the one thing that gets them off where they're at. So um, we're excited to have uh, an amazing guest tonight. Scott, you haven't had a chance to meet him except for backstage. Um, Charleston Gaines is a gentleman that I met once again, ladies and gentlemen, on Clubhouse. Uh, He and I were in different rooms and sometimes we were in the same rooms day after day, week after week, and we got a chance to know each other. And I just really grew to respect Charles and how he approaches an answer to a question that you pose. He takes great care and great consideration in the fact of really trying to address from a heartfelt center and a vulnerable center, um, what it is that we can do to help one another. And that's one thing I love about him. You're going to love him as well. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the unfiltered experience, Mr. Charleston Gaines. Charleston, how are you doing this evening, brother? Welcome to the show. I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. I'm I'm excited and um, I'm just ready to go, man. It's good to see you, Chris. Good to meet you, Scott. I know. I know. We've never actually been face to face. We've always talked on Clubhouse. You come to the room every. We do a Wednesday night room of on the men's group. And Charleston, you're always there. We got Jock there. We got Lee there. We got an amazing group there. And and everybody just loves what you share because you really do. Like I said before, you come at it from a heart centered spot. You come at it from a vulnerable standpoint. You share your journey and whatever it is that you've gone through and grown through. And you have such an eloquent way. And I and I I, I told you this. This is no bullshit. You have such an eloquent way of sharing that that it resonates with me very much. And I know it resonates with a lot of other people because it's just you can see the emo- you can feel the emotion in what it is that you're what we're talking about. And tonight we're talking about redefining our beliefs. Right? You know, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world today that are challenging our beliefs, challenging our truths, if you will. So the way I want to jump off the conversation tonight is just really think about, for me, when I was was thinking about redefining our beliefs, again, it goes back to redefining our truths. And from that, it goes, and I've been thinking about this a lot lately, is really re-identifying who we are. Right. Just simply asking the question who we are, um, what is my what what identities from my past do I need to shed and what can I do to reframe my perspectives? We talk a lot about perspectives. What can I do to reframe my perspectives about my past? Because a lot of our garbage and our baggage is tied up in our past. Uh, I want to jump off the conversation tonight and just talk about the conditioning process, because you've had some amazing conversations on this, Charleston, in Clubhouse and talking about that growth aspect. I think it would be important to set the foundation tonight to talk about where our beliefs are formed, the conditioning process that really kind of gets us uh, in the space of where it continues to screw us up in life until we get to a point where we say we've had enough. So Charleston, please. I feel like I'm in clubhouse. Charleston, the mic is yours. <laughs> so you well, just stay in that. 
Well, you're talking about how do we view ourselves, getting to know ourselves, getting to know different aspects of our personalities. And so what I want to do is I want to tell you a story about just another group setting that I was in where I was speaking about what happens to you during childhood, how it impacts your life. And one person in the in attendance told me a story about her life where she didn't get it until she understood what I was telling her. And so what she said was that, when she was when she was a little girl, I don't know what year, but when she was a little girl, you could get a loaf of bread for 25 cents. And so <laughs> her mom was it 1920? <laughs> I don't know. But but her mom sent her to the store with the 50 cent piece to get a loaf of bread for 25 cents. She was five years old, so five-year-olds could go to the store by themselves and, and buy bread. The, the guy at the store doesn't give her any change. She comes home and tells her mom he didn't give me any change. Her mom's immediate reaction was, you're so stupid with money. What's wrong with you? You're an idiot. How come you can't handle money? And so mom goes back to the store with her, has a conversation with the cashier. Cashier realizes he makes a mistake. Mom gets the change. So from mom's perspective, everything's done. But she realized that her believing that she's stupid with money is why she's had money issues her entire life. She didn't know where that started, but she always she said to herself so many times over the decades, I'm so stupid with money. She wasn't born with that thought. It was put there. And so for me, that's that's really what it is. When you look at a lot of these self-defeating thoughts and these negative beliefs and attitudes about ourselves, we have to dive deep to figure out where it came from. And the reason we're going to figure out why it came from is because where it came from is impacted by who it came from. Yes. It's it's different when your mom tells you than when some stranger in the street. Mm-hmm. Because not just the love, there could also be a lack of love, but when you're dependent on that person, you're thinking this is my survival in, you know, in addition to everything else. And so you're not even at, a, at an age yet where you can discern when adults are lying to you or not. Yeah. So you believe you're stupid. You believe you're worthless. You can't tell if it's a sarcastic joke, if it's passive aggressive. You can't tell. You just believe. And maybe it's not your parents. Maybe it's your favorite teacher who says, you know what? Maybe math is just hard for you. And you you just believe that and you take it with you. And so many people really, they have these conceptions about themselves when they're 13, 14, 15 years old. And it sticks with them. Lots of research has shown this. It's really hard to shed who you believed you were as a teenager because of the the kind of growth you go through at that age. So if you believe you're an idiot when you're in eighth grade, fast forward 25 years, you could have a Ph.D. and win a Nobel Prize and think it's because you got lucky and competition was down. Mm -hmm. Because there's no way you could have won it from your own merit because you believe you're stupid because that's what you were told 25 years ago. Mm. So what kind of things do we do to make sure those beliefs are shift? Because, you know, right now, as you were saying that there's no question that everybody listening now or on the replay is going back to a space where they got that voice that said, you know, I'm not enough or I'm not this or I'm not that. And the interesting thing with that voice, we all know what happens is it translates into our voice. So the mom might've said it, but then you start speaking it. So your inner critics in your voice, you're not hearing your mom say it. I'm saying it now as if it's, it's truth. It's not even just a belief. So it can get very confusing because that inner critic is us speaking to us in our mind, even though it's the echo of the gym teacher, the mom, your grandma, the stepdad, the best friend. So what do we do to go back and, and peel that back and start? Cause Chris and I are always talking about the story starts today. Everything that's happened in the past is is fine and dandy, and it's part of the growth that brings you to this point in your wisdom and knowledge. But your story starts today in creating you. Like, literally, you can start and be anything you want starting right now. That's easier said than done. How do we get people to buy into that and make those shifts? Well, well, I'll say the first thing that has to happen is we have to recognize that it's a process. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a process no matter what your merits are, there's a barrier that says, I'm stupid, I'm an idiot, I'm worthless, whatever it is. 
And you have to acknowledge, okay, that was incorrect, but you look at why it was said to you, and then you recognize that it's not your fault it was said to you. No children are responsible for the actions of adults. And so then you can go back and look at what did I need in that moment? What did my six-year-old self need in the moment? You need an encouragement, not discouragement. And so there's there's that part of it where you look at what did I need and you begin to really kind of drill down and work on that. What I mean by work on that is when that thought comes to your mind, you acknowledge it as data, as information. And then you have ways to rebut that in your mind. You've already you've already set that up. For example, for example, I think I'm unlovable but my kids love me. Can both of those statements be true? And so you have to work through that process yourself, but then you have to look at modern day you. And this is what I, I, I take a lot of people through this process. I start off actually with the, a worksheet with about 95 items on it. And I say, I want you to circle your top five values. And so when you've identified your values, and let's just pick one, integrity. Integrity is your top value. Did your thoughts and actions and intentions align with that value today? Is integrity associated with being a good person? And if the answer is yes, and at the end of the day, give yourself credit. Today, I lived with integrity. Today, I lived my values. Today, I was loyal. Today, I was honest. Today, I worked hard for what I want. And then you can give yourself credit, acknowledge, like, you know what? Today is a victory. It's not a big victory. You didn't win the Super Bowl, but what did you do? You practiced hard. And so acknowledge and appreciate your effort. Look at how far you've come. Appreciate your journey. What we often do is, is we look at other people. They didn't come from the same place we did. And so to compare ourselves to them makes no sense, especially when they're actually dealing with the same beliefs that you are. They just hide it better. <laughs> <laughs> so true. So true. <clears throat> I want to take that. I want to take that spot. And I just want to share something with everybody because um, all the three of us have been through this, this, this organization. I've created this thing a long time ago. And I just want to share it for everybody watching and just kind of use it as a, as a discussion point here just for a second, because we can. So this is something that I created uh, a while back just to really kind of decide where does it all happen? So I know that what we're talking about is the conditioning process starts here. This is the base foundation. Like you're saying, you know, we were told about the Easter bunny. We're told about Santa Claus, told about the tooth fairy and guess what? Uh, whoops, we were lying. We were told, you know, to tell, always tell the truth. You have to tell the truth. Um, and then we were told, Oh no, don't always tell the truth. Don't tell grandma. She's ugly. Don't tell the guy he's really fat. So, uh, you have to use this thing called a white lie. Oh, daddy, mommy, what's a white lie? Oh, it's kind of the truth, but it's not the truth. You spare them the details. Oh, really? A white lie. Oh, I can use that. Oh, great. Thank you so much for teaching me that. So we have this conditioning thing. And then also that creates our beliefs, which we're talking about tonight, our beliefs. And then what comes out of that? If we have a belief that I'm stupid, what is that going to create for my attitude? So now my attitude is going to be that. So what is my attitude going to attract? Because based on my attitude, my feelings are going to be this. So if my feelings are that I'm not worthy and I'm stupid, guess what? I'm going to take that personally. When any, any situation happens, I'm going to sit there and say that reinforces my beliefs. And that is the conditioning that I was grew up with. My mom told me I was stupid. Therefore I am. And then ultimately from there, it creates our actions. So if we feel like we're stupid, then we're not going to take the actions that support what it is that will make us great. And this becomes the vicious cycle that I talk a lot about. Um, Scott and Charleston, what are your thoughts on that? And, and, and what would you change about that, that perspective right here to help people walk through the process that in order for us to, in order for us to change what it is that's going on in our life and, and, and change the belief patterns that we have, we have to go back and rewrite our perspective and our belief about the conditioning process that we went through. What are your guys' thoughts on that? I can share something super simple that I've said a million times, so I think it's still got some validity. Um, if we go back to our biggest belief, and it's a belief that we all want to believe, believe in some creator or some higher power, if you want to call it universe, source, God, or anything like that, anything that's, um, you know, what created us and brought us here. If we go to that belief that we are perspective points or fractals of source or of creator, then we must be insanely powerful and we must have been mistaken in putting all these limits on ourselves in the human condition. 
So if we start there and we could literally meditate on that thought of just saying, I am a fractal of source. I am a fractal of God. I am a perspective point of creator, whatever you want to phrase it. I don't care, but you're in the image of something pretty amazing. So how could you be stupid? How could you be nothing? Like, think about this. If you're calling yourself stupid, then you must be saying the creator makes stupid things. It doesn't make sense. Right. They're creating, you've been created in brilliance. What hasn't happened yet is you haven't uncovered your brilliance. It's there with or without your knowledge. And so if you can sit in that space and every time you start to get the negative talk, which is in your unconscious mind, and we talk about this all the time, Chris, um, if we get to that space where we can just go back to, I know this is reality, I'm not there yet, then we can deal with the fact that we're making mistakes or we haven't addressed these issues yet, or I'm still hearing you're bad with money. You know, that's just the voice. The reality is completely different. So at least being clear with the reality. I mean, what do you think of that, Charleston? Because that's what I would tell somebody if I was coaching them is start there. It's a great point. Well, you, you know, I love it. And really, I think it aligns with what I was saying about values. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, for example, if we were to apply values into or integrate it into what you just said and then back to the the triangle or pyramid that Chris showed us, um, I put values along the same line as beliefs. And so sometimes we're not going to change our belief. We just need to take action. Right. And so instead of arguing, am I lazy or not? I just need to get up and go do something. It's it's simple as that. And so then back to what you were saying, does my creator create lazy things? Instead of arguing with myself, get off my ass and go do something. Oh, yeah. And what happens is and, and, you know, and I'll, I'll quote Tony Robbins on this. Is um, he says to build massive confidence, you have to take massive action. So I can't sit there with this internal dialogue. What is this belief? Is it true? Go do something. Right. And then eventually what happens is your own behavior. Your own behavior proves that the belief is untrue. Mm-hmm. How am I lazy when I've accomplished these things? Can a lazy person do these things? And if the answer is no, acknowledge it. Use your thinking brain. Get out of your emotions. Process this objectively. If my creator creates brilliant brilliant things that are not lazy and I've done the work, then I am a representation of that brilliant creation, not of the labels that were put on me by others when I was young, vulnerable, and impressionable. Ooh. Ooh, I love that. The caretakers in our life. When we think about, <clears throat> you think about the caretakers in our life, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know about for you guys, but I would look back and I think about our teachers and our family members and our friends and, and all the people that were influenced up until the page, up until the age, let's see, let's even extend it from five years old to seven years old. And think about all those people. Think about the teachers. They were all screwed up in themselves. They're great teachers. But when they comes to, it comes to giving advice, well, maybe you just suck at math. It's okay. We don't, we're not all good at everything. It's okay. You know, that those little bitty things, you know, people sit there and say sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. I want to throat punch whoever the fucker was that said that because we all know that it only takes one or a couple of words for us to be permanently scarred. It was so funny. I got to tell a story because every time I I think about this, I got to tell a story. I was speaking in front of over 600 people at the Sheridan Gateway Hotel in Los Angeles. And I did like a 20 minute spot. I was the MC and my, my, the guy that was coordinating says, can you come up here and do this? And I went up there and I was like, I had to pee. I had to go really, really bad. And he's all go do 20 minutes. The speaker's not ready. So I went up there, did 20 minutes, got them all going, got them dancing, you know, got them all motivated. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was coming off stage. My friends were high-fiving me. I'm like, I gotta pee. I gotta fucking pee. I gotta fucking pee. And I get to the end of the room. And I swear to God, there's a guy standing there in the doorway. He's standing with his back against the doorway. And I go past him and he goes, excuse me, sir. Can I have a word with you? And I was just like, what? Okay, sure. He was standing like a bouncer or a bodyguard or something like that. I have a full on pass on everything, you know, hanging from me. And I said, sure, what's up? And he goes, um, he goes, I just wanted to uh, let you know that I'm here with my 13 year old son. And, um, and I was just wondering, I don't want to change you. I kept saying, I don't want to change you. He goes, but I wonder why you kept using profanity while you were on stage. And I sat there and I thought, I'm like, what? 
what, what do you mean profanity? I, I was like, shit, did I say fuck or something like that? Because Craig told me, he goes, he goes, you can say kick ass, but he goes, don't don't really say anything else. And so I was like, I'm sorry, sir. I said, I don't, I don't think I said anything profane. I said, if I did, I apologize. I said, but what word did I use? Because you kept saying kick ass. And he goes, I have a 13 year old son here and I'm trying to teach him about stuff. And uh, I just wondered why you felt the need to use it. I said, you know what? Honestly, that's a great question. I said, I usually say awesome or right on or rad or something like that. I said, but for me, when I was thinking about my brand and thinking about what energizes people and what I think is really like a definition of somebody that's cool is somebody that's kick-ass. I said, so there's no vulgarity in there. It's just a, it's a matter of energy. It's a matter of attitude. It's a matter of swagger. It's just a matter of owning who you are and being kick-ass. I said, you know, he goes, well, I'm not trying to change you and da, 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 da. And I said, and it dawned on me. I'm like, well, can I give you some a perspective on that? And he goes, yes. And I said, listen, coming from a guy who's had a very troubled childhood up until the age of 17, who got told a lot of different things. Let me just share with you that you might want to explain to your son that it's not kick ass. It's not shit. It's not fuck. It's not damn. It's not bullshit. I said, it's the words like you're stupid. You're fat. You're ugly. You're untalented. You'll never sing. Those words have greater impact on people than shit, fuck, crap, damn. And I sat there and I told him this and people started gathering around him. I said, so please go back there and tell your son not to say nigger, not to say this, not to say spick, spack. Don't go back there and say those things. Vulgarity and everything else is just a matter of perception. I said, it's just an energetic word. I said, those other words will damage people for a lifetime. Trust me. I know it. Now I have to go pee. I'll be right back. I'd love to continue the conversation. I'd love to meet your son, uh, but I'll be right back. And I went to go to the bathroom and I came back and he was gone. But it just it just like surprised me how much people have you know the the faith in the different words. But like you said, we only have to hear those a few times in our childhood for that to become a conditioning process, become a, a, like a rut in a road or a groove in a record that we have to rewrite. So, Charleston, what do you think about how we can shift those perspectives about those 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 opinions that were poured into us that were really not validly true for us? Well, I'll, I'll say this, you know, as I, as I ponder that question. You reminded me of a of a story I had. Well, I'm gonna tell you a story about a conversation I had, where this individual has two very young daughters, and her oldest daughter I think is four or five, and the word that she absolutely hates to hear, she hates to hear the words "shut up." Oh yeah. But but other words, profanity, she doesn't complain about, and so then I commented. The reason those words bother her so much than the other words is because those words are only used when you address other people. So she cares more about how we treat people than the actual words that come out of our mouths. And so I, I don't know, when you think about how to deal with, and I'm gonna rephrase it just to make sure I got the question right and correct me if I'm wrong, but you're talking sure. about how do we really kind of, how do we get those certain terms or labels like out of our heads that we've brought with us? How do we write that programming that's been, been put in our in our head essentially? Because I know you've talked you talked perfectly perfectly about this in Clubhouse, so I'd love for you to riff on that. Um, really, to me, it's it's about it's a couple of different things. First of all, the self awareness. I always I always talk about self awareness because there's so many things that we go through and we don't know why we're experiencing that. Why am I triggered by this? Why am I having this emotional reaction? And when you figure out why, you're in a better position to do something about it, you know. And one thing that you can do that I think is very powerful is you can go back and look at the caregiver who put those words in your mind and you can forgive them because in your heart, you know that they were doing the best they could. And so when they said something to you like, stop being lazy, why are you so sloppy? Why are you so disorganized? They actually were doing the best they could, and that was not a reflection of your value or your worth or how much they loved you. Yes. They were doing the best they could, and you took out of that whatever your brain was able to at that age. But now that you're older, look at what you needed at that age, and you can replay that. You can visualize that in your mind. You can replay that conversation, and I think we as adults do that quite often. I mean, it's simple as, man... When he said, when Chris said that, I should have said this. <laughs> we do that all yep. the time. Should have, could have, would have. Yeah. And so so there's that part of it. So so give yourself grace, but don't get angry about something that happened before because we don't want this to be an emotional experience. You're in control of your emotions. So there's that part of it, addressing the event when it happened. Then there's a part of, 
over the years, you actually did things to prove those things correct. And maybe you didn't, but the way that you perceived yourself. So when you go to work and your check is this much and someone else made more money, instead of recognizing how hard you worked for your money, you say, if I wasn't lazy, I would have made this much. So again, it, it's your perception. So recognize those things and then begin to give yourself credit because I don't know about everyone else, but I can go back and look at things in my life, thoughts and events in my life where I actually was confirming what I believed about myself from when I was younger. And mm -hmm. so I'm just going to tell us a story about that. Tell us a story about that. Um, I'll say, okay, I'm, I'm going to kind of change it up a little. I was, I was 17 years old when I was in college. I, I graduated high school in, in May or June, my birthday's in September. So this is the first couple of weeks of college. I was 17 and I didn't believe I was smart enough for college anyway. And so that's why I was choosing to close at Taco Bell where I worked. Like, yeah, I'll work till two or three in the morning because I already believed I wasn't going to finish college. And so then when you withdraw from school, the professors have to sign a specific document saying, yes, I acknowledge you withdrew from this class or whatever. And my college professor at the time, I'll never forget her, Dr. Barlow. She was the first woman to graduate from UC UNC Chapel Hill with a PhD in English. And she said to me, such a brilliant mind wasted. So here I am, almost 18 years old, and nobody had used a word like that to describe my brain before. And so actually, I couldn't even reconcile that. Like, why would she even say that? Like, she's dumb, too. <laughs> and so it took time. And as I went through and I did things like in the military, getting promoted, passing promotion tests, you know, getting education, getting my degree, all of these things, at some point in time, I had to acknowledge that maybe there's some brain power in there. And so it goes back to what I said before, you have to take action. You can't just sit around your room hoping to feel smart, hoping to feel like a hard worker. No, go do it. And if you're thinking objectively, you can just look at the data and say, if I was a lazy idiot, I wouldn't have done these things. Yes. But you have to acknowledge your wins. You have to acknowledge your effort. You have to acknowledge your journey. Because there's a lot of people that never could have made it as far as I did. And I don't need to compare myself to them. And I don't need to compare myself to people who get their PhDs at 20 years old. I am my own person. And I was able to complete this journey, get to where I am because of my work ethic. And looking at that objectively from a macro level perspective, I can look back now and say, when she said I was brilliant, maybe she was onto something. And if I'm not brilliant, my work ethic overcame that because I said so. That's that's it right there. I, I've said this in so many different ways. I said, if you think you're stupid, you're right. If you think you're brilliant, you're right. If you think you're going to be successful, you're right. If you think you're going to fail, you're right. I mean, that's the whole crux of this entire conversation, the belief that if people don't truly dial into that, they're missing the essence of life. One of the things I've been sharing with people is self-awareness has to occur before there's any kind of an awakening. And that self-awareness might have come in that moment that you just said, where your teacher, you know, throws the word brilliance around in your name and you're like, uh, uh, and so the self-awareness starts to happen. And then through some, you know, accolades you receive in the military, wherever you go, hmm. and then the awakening process happens, then you recognize your ability to imagine. And so then you start to imagine, you know what? I am brilliant. I can see it and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. And then after imagination, we can create, we can cre start creating. And so that aware, awake, imagine and create the true creation of our existence doesn't really happen until those things happen. Now, sometimes we unconsciously manifest, you know, because there's something in us that some teacher did say something nice and it just happens. But once we consciously manifest because we know we're brilliant, because we know we're perspective points of source, because we know we're worth it. That's where the power is. And that starts right there with belief. It's that simple.
What are your thoughts mm -hmm. on that, Charleston? Or Chris? <laughs> My thoughts on that are I want people to recognize that we can apply that to every aspect of your life. When you're in your early 20s and your grandfather said, you better not ever have kids. It's the same thing. Mm -hmm. If you believe, maybe because someone said to you, you're just like your father. And whoever said that to you said other things about your father. And so yep. you believe those things about yourself. And because you believe those things about yourself, you don't even recognize that your self-beliefs are the foundation of your marital problems. Of course. And so step back and say, I'm not just like him. There are things that happened. I don't know why he did it because I wasn't there when he was raised. But I have the opportunity to choose something different. But what you were saying about self-awareness, I can't even choose something different until I recognize that I have an issue with what I've been doing and I have the power to change what I'm doing. Yeah. And then, then it's not anybody else's fault. It's my effort, it's my decision, and it's the change that I'm going to make. And the reason why you make those changes as a parent, as a leader, as a spouse, is because of love. You love your kids, you love your career, you love your spouse, you love your family. And so you do it for love. And as you do that, you can begin or elevate the process of loving yourself as well. So I was going to back up as you were saying that. And I was going to say the hardest thing to do is love yourself when we start loving others. But we really have to love ourselves first. But we usually do that. We sprinkle in, OK, I love my wife. I love my kid. And then you start to realize, wait, I'm not able to max this out because I don't love myself enough. But if we could just attack that self-love first, organically, we become a better husband, organically, we become a better dad, organically, instead of saying, I'm going to be the best dad ever, when it's really just saying, I'm not going to be like my mom, or <laughs> I'm going to be the best. But seriously, like, it's, it's reality. I mean, like, one of yeah. the reasons you'll try to be a great parent is go, I'll never do what my dad did. I'll never be like my mom. And I'm not saying that to you, mom. That was referencing Chris and the dad part was the dad, if you're listening. So. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we really can't wins win. it <laughs> no my mom's dead so i don't have to worry about that but i want to capture some of these comments real quick and then i have another question to ask uh just a great conversation so tonight guys if you are enjoying this conversation please please by all means whether you're watching this live or on the replay share this out because this is brilliant stuff this is stuff that's designed to get you to think differently this is powerful this is we're taking you on the the journey of what it is to be fucked up and then the journey of what it is to unfuck yourself just to be just to be graphic and straightforward because that's what we do here um so we got uh we got some people in the house. We got Jacqueline in the house. We got Robert in the house. We are, um, Robert says here, he goes, uh, if those words are leaving your mouth, telling people they will add power to this each time. Yes, 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 absolutely, absolutely. There's so much power in our words and the words we say to ourselves. For you guys out there that love to read books, there's a massive book. I'm not going to get up and get it right now, but it's what what not to say when you talk to yourself. I think it's not Susan Jeffers. I can't remember her name. What not to say or what to say when you talk to yourself. When I read that book, guys, I did not realize how massive the inner language that we use. It's like, you think, it, okay, I'm just thinking this. I'm just thinking this. But what you're doing is you're programming your brain. Every, every time you think that thought, you are running another rut through that brain. So what we're trying to do, guys, tonight is to teach you how to reverse that rut and change things that are, change things that are going on in your brain. So this is massive. Jacqueline says, Poncho and Lefty, you're on the bond tonight. Keep on giving us pearls of wisdom. I guess I'm, I guess what? Are you left-handed or are you right-handed? I don't know. I'm a right-handed guy. I got a Okay, so I'm left-handed. So I must be lefty and you must be Poncho. <laughs> Thank you, Jacqueline, for being here. Um, Robert says, again, we were talking about it's, it's spoken into existence. Oh, here's something for you, Charleston. Here, you can take a screenshot of this. Charleston, you are a very wise man. Look at that smile. Let me, hey, wait a minute. Let me, let me, see, let me see if I can get a screenshot on that. My screenshot thing hasn't been working. I don't know what the fuck's wrong. My computer crashed earlier this week and I realized it didn't crash because I didn't turn my monitor on. It's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. Um, so Jacqueline's asking a question. How do you take yourself to the next level without losing your beliefs? What do you guys think about that question? Thank you, Jacqueline, for being here. And thank you for that question. That's a perfect question. What do you guys think? Well, I want to say, first of all, I just, I want to say thank you, Jacqueline, for the compliment. And so you ask, how do you take yourself to the next level without losing your beliefs? And, you know, I got to be honest with you, to some degree, you have to lose the beliefs. I mean, you can't 
truly begin to win in life if you believe you're a loser. Yep. And so there's there's a process and it goes back to, um, you know, to what you were saying earlier about um, having to love yourself first. And so, again, that's a process. So one quote that I like to repeat is if you can't say something nice to yourself, keep practicing. But again, when we, when we look at, you know, do I love myself? Why do you love yourself? Why or why not? And then you can look at, again, I go back to your values. So what you can do is, again, go back to your values and look at, these are my values. Did I live my values today? Did I, did my values align with my thoughts, my actions, my intentions? And if so, do I not deserve credit for this? Did I not do what a good person does today according to my own definition of what are good values or morals or standards. And so it's not about losing your beliefs in a sense of turning it off. I no longer believe this and good work with that mantra. I mean, good luck, but what it is, it's a process where you, you begin to think if I, my whole life have been called a liar, but I've been living with evidence that I have integrity every day, then maybe I'm not a liar. Maybe I am an honest person. And so someone will attack you. They'll bring you, bring it up. You remember three years ago when I asked you about this and you lied to me, see, you're a liar. And then your response is, I'm not a liar. That is an action that I, I did one time. And right. I wish I could hurt you. And if I could go back and undo it, I would undo it. However, that's not who I am. And you can say that with confidence because you've been paying attention to yourself and you know that you've been living your value of integrity. And if you are a person of integrity, along with your other values, are you not worthy of love? And so if you can answer yes, then you can begin to build your self-love. And just along with what you were saying, Scott, the more that I do that, the more I'm able to love other people the way that they deserve to be loved. You know, it's, it's funny, you know, we're talking about this, too, because I was just speaking to somebody about the idea of dating coaches and we've had dating coaches on here. And I love the concept um, of finding somebody, the perfect partner. But this is what I always feel like it happens 20 times out of 20 times. There's two people who are partway through their reflective work. So they're in their growth mode, but they're not really at a space where they're really ready to fully compliment anyone else because they don't fully compliment themselves. And when I say compliment one, I can't say I love myself and compliment enhance like the two types of compliment. So I think that a lot of these coaches are trying to take two hurting people who are trying to figure out the work and have them meet at the same level of vibration. And it almost seems like a nightmare instead of let's saying, let's fast track this person on doing the work to get to a space where their cup is full and they love themselves enough and that partner is just going to show up, but that doesn't sell anything, I guess. Like people don't want to do that. And so to that point, thinking of that, we're all part way in the journey of healing. At what point do we love ourselves enough to truly love somebody else? Because I've been playing with this. I've been trying to figure out where is that line? Where is that space? You know, is there such a space? What does that look like? Does that question make sense? Because it's a tough one to figure out. It, it makes sense to me, and I believe that the answer is you never get there. You never, you never get to the point where I am now ready, I'm now complete. Every, it's, it's, it's the thing, it's the idea that every day, every day we want to be better than the day before. But if you've been alive for 10,000 days, are you really 10,000 times better? There's a, there's a process. And so every day you're trying to elevate certain aspects of your life. And so when it comes to loving someone else, a big part of that is. And we got the brilliant scheme to cover the golden booty, which is quite large with mud. I like it. <laughs> Whatever that was sounded good. I was going to keep listening to it. <laughs> oh, sorry. I didn't realize you could hear it. I was actually just putting something in there, preempting a, a, a thought I have. So keep going. I know you guys can hear that. It's funny. Okay. Yeah. And, and so what I was thinking was a lot of times when you meet the perfect person, what really happens is you see part of yourself in them. And so if you hate that in you, you're going to hate that in them. Boom. 
you can forgive that part of yourself and you begin to grow and move on, move through that, then you're able to embrace that in them. And that's where you guys can grow together. And that doesn't mean that you've that you not love yourself enough. It just means that we have positioned ourselves to grow in regards to this specific aspect or attribute. Ooh. Ooh, okay. So that's a good jumping off point for this. Um, I put this link up here, guys. Um, I don't know if you, if you got you guys have, you guys know Joseph Campbell, right? Of course. Hey, Joseph Campbell. Do you guys know Joseph Campbell? The, huh? the name's familiar. You but... too. Familiar? Come on, Joseph Campbell, the hero's journey. Yeah, you both of you. Yeah, I just said that. I just said yes, the hero's Joseph journey. Campbell? Yeah. Oh, okay, good, good, good. Sorry, I couldn't hear that. So, ladies and gentlemen, um. A couple of weeks ago, I was talking to a buddy of mine and we were talking, he's like, Chris, I'm so tired of these, these lessons. You always talk about there's lessons, these, these things are coming up and he goes, I'm just tired of it. Guys, I've learned my lesson. You know, when am I going to get to the spot where I don't have to learn these lessons anymore? And I started laughing and I started laughing. I said, let me guess, let me guess it. Go on. And again, this conversation goes back to our conditioning beliefs. When we were kids, were we not told go to school, get good grades? Go to college, you know, find a career, find the career, buy the house, you know, have a family. And then one day. What do we get to do? What do we get to do one day? Retire. We're told this shit when we were a kid, like, oh, once you work hard and you do all these things, then you get to this place. And I get chills when I think about it because it's complete fucking bullshit. You get to retire. And for me, when I was a kid, I don't know about you guys, but I thought about retirement like, oh, dude, I passed all the tests. I went through all the journeys and I get to a spot. My hair is standing on my end right now. And you get to a spot like this panacea, like, Oh, now I don't have to go any, I, I like literally like you graduate high school. Like when you think about, okay, I don't have to, I don't have to go to school anymore. That's bullshit. And so I was talking to this guy and he's like, I'm so sick of learning these lessons. I'm like, dude, if I had a dollar for every fucking lesson I learned and I continue to learn, I would be massively rich and I'd probably still be miserable because the part of the, the, the point of this journey is the fact that we get to a spot and you know, like the hero's journey, let's just talk about this for a second, just in case anybody doesn't else know about this. You think about the wizard of Oz, you think about star Wars, you think about any major movie that you'd like, what is it that we're excited about? The hero leaves home. What's the hero going to do? Oh, the hero goes through all these things. Is he going to make it? Is he going to make it? We, we fight for him. We want him to go. We want him to go. And the hero goes through the journey and they almost don't make it. But what do they do? They go back home and they're celebrated and they're like, oh, this is what I learned. This is what I learned. And then it happens again. You don't go home and go, oh man, that was it. You come home, you rest up. You're like, oh man, shit's good. And then something else comes and fucks up your life. And you go, oh damn, I don't want to deal with this. My perspective on that now is that not that I'm genuinely excited, but I am somewhat eager in a way that might be sick that I know that there's going to be more challenges in my life. I mean, trust me, I've had enough challenges in my life. So I put that link up there in case you guys have never seen that. Go find, go watch the documentary Finding Joe. It's an hour and 12 minutes. I watched it after I told my buddy to watch it because I was like, okay, I'm not going to be incongruent. I've already seen it a couple of times. And even me is watching it right here in my studio. I was like, Fuck. It was so many reminders that this is part of the journey. This is the part of the strengthening process. This is why we signed up to be here. We're souls having a human experience and we signed up to learn these lessons. These people in our lives, our soul contract are here to teach us these lessons. We have signposts that are coming at us and we have to address them. What are your thoughts guys on realizing the fact that there is no end to this journey and we have to we have to reframe our perspectives to say, listen, I need to be as strong as I possibly can now. I need to invest in myself now. I need to love myself now because I don't know what's going to happen next, but I want to have the confidence. I want to have the expectation. I want to have the certainty that what I'm going to go through, I'm, I know I'm going to get through because I've gotten through everything else in my entire life. What are your guys' thoughts on that? That tenacity, that courage, that confidence to be able to get through everything else that comes next. You go, Chelsea. I'll go well, next. When I, when I think about that, I think about just reframing your whole perspective. So in your mind, can that lesson, whatever is going on, transition from being a threat to a challenge to an opportunity? Oh, a threat to a challenge to an opportunity. And, and again, it's a process. And, and there's so many processes that we go through. And do you have the mindset where you can be grateful for the opportunity to grow. There are things that we've been through where literally billions upon billions of people wish 
that they had this this challenge. They wish they had this opportunity. You know, one one quote that comes to mind, I saw someone put it on Twitter years ago, and I will never forget. This woman was a refugee, and she said, my six-year-old has never had a good day. And I think about that, and I'm like, what am I bitching about? Yeah. Oh, because something hard happened, and I had to put in some effort, and then I got over it? Poor me. Whenever that happens, you're actually positioning yourself to handle the next challenge better. It becomes easier to turn the next challenge into an opportunity because you took advantage of this opportunity to grow. And if you did not grow, if you did not learn a lesson, well, that's your responsibility. I mean, if you punch me in the face, did I not learn a lesson to duck? Whose responsibility is that? I love that. <laughs> That is so simple, but so impactful. Like, yeah. yeah. Or non-impactful if you duck. Yeah, it's as simple as that. And it's your choice. And some lessons, they actually have to hurt several times over for you to fully grasp it. And isn't that better than never learning the lesson so that the next threat actually finishes you? It's simple as that. When you're, when you're working on your improving your bench press, isn't it better to work up in weight or just put 400 pounds on the bar, let it crush you and say, I should have been stronger. Don't judge yourself. Hold yourself accountable for working through the process, for choosing to learn and grow. Don't judge yourself and don't act like you're unlucky. Because with all of your threats and challenges and opportunities come all of the wins that you've experienced. So you can take your whole life and appreciate it, or you can throw the whole thing away. But don't complain about the bad and then take the good for granted. Because none of it was owed to you. You didn't earn any of it. There's so many things I got in my life I didn't earn. I didn't deserve more than anybody else. So I'm going to appreciate it because I choose to. And I think that the more we take that perspective... The more, we're, the more we are able to elevate our mindset. So again, we're able to turn threats to challenges to opportunities because we said so. I like Ooh. it. Thoughts on that, Scott? Well, Chris, you know, I always do the same thing. I back up one step further. So um, I fully agree with that. And in business class, I always talk about, we talk about perceived problems. And I say, how do we flip the script and make that an opportunity? And how do you create a solution? You know, that's exactly what we do. So we're doing the exact same thing. Um, I, I would go to this space. Sometimes being fully present, we want to know why are we supposed to be present? And I would ask yourself this. If at some point you were source and there was just one love and there was just one common everything, there's just consciousness. If consciousness says, I want contrast, I want existence, I want experience, I want humanity, whatever we're seeing now, with that, Charleston nailed it. What are we going to do? We're going to come out with this game that says, okay, go to level 12. Okay, you got there. And they're like, okay, now what? No, it's got to be incremental and it's got to be lesson based. It, I mean, think about it. Your source, your creator, your God, your consciousness creating existence. How do you create it? Do you create it so that you're given everything? Well, then what's, why did you ever leave? If you're, you know what I'm saying? You're not going to just give heaven or give the 400 pound bench press or give whatever you want to call it. You're going to give opportunity. And that could be in form of threat that we have to shift. It could be problem, whatever you want to call it. But when you're sitting in that, you have to give something that has resistance so we can create. You know, you listen to Alan Watts and he's always talking about yin yang polarity and like darkness and like light and whatever. One doesn't exist without the other. And so without the resistance or when weightlifting, without me tearing my muscle, that I, I have to tear my muscle to rebuild. I have to have that moment of sadness to fully experience the happiness. And some people don't agree with that duality concept. They get upset with it or say, no, there's a place of pure light, pure everything. I do think this. I do think in consciousness, there's a place of pure bliss. But can you truly understand bliss without the duality? So we need this. We need that resistance. We need those difficult moments. And the big thing is, and it's in Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning. We talk about this stuff all the time. It's the choices we make and how to react or respond and how do we want to grow. So you nailed a beautiful way from threat to challenge to opportunity. That's, that's one way to look at that, to look at a threat. How do we shift that into opportunity? 
And I think the quicker we play with that language and make it language that it's exciting versus fearful, we're right. on the right track. And, and here's the thing. There's no wrong. If you're afraid and you think this world is scary and it's become overwhelming because we've had so much more information get dumped on us, welcome to humanity where I'll sit with you. The quicker we can dial back and say, there's a shitload of stuff going on right now and it feels scary, but I have a choice to say scary is actually excitement and that problem is opportunity. Come back to center, learn some lessons. You're going to be okay. In fact, you're okay right now. So that's what I would offer. Awesome, Scott. Thank you. What are your thoughts on it, Mr. Charleston? Then I have another question for you before we wrap up. Um, an amazing conversation tonight. So what are your thoughts on that? Then I have another question for you. Well, one thing, one thing Scott said was that people believe that there is pure bliss or pure light. And Viktor Frankl said that which is to give light must endure burning. So, I mean, take it for what it is. Um, but I, you know, reading it again. Reading it again. <laughs> I'm literally reading it again. That's no joke. I love it. I, I love it. Yeah. And so, so like, I completely agree with the duality. When I tell people, when I say you deserve to be happy, and I get people to repeat it, I want to hear them say the words, I deserve to be happy. And I deserve I'm to be happy. State of mind, you're a happy person. I'm not talking about only feeling that emotion. Because if, if happiness is the only emotion you feel, it has no value. Mm -hmm. It's the other emotions that give happiness value. Love has no value in your life if it's the only emotion you've ever felt. Because if you've never had to live without it, then you're, you're taking it for granted. And I'm just going to slightly go off on a tangent here. We call nope. it hedonic adaptation. You get used to the good stuff and you take it for granted. If I gave you a hundred dollars today, I, I maybe I knock on your door at four o'clock in the morning and I give you a hundred thousand dollars. You're like, this is amazing. It was worth getting up at four in the morning, man. If I do that every day for six years, you're going to be like, dude, I don't need. Stop waking me up. You idiot. Hedonic <laughs> <laughs> adaptation. You need the polarity. You need the opportunity to appreciate that which you're given. 100%. 100%. And this even goes back to, you know, the whole concept of manifestation and everything. We want to manifest all these beautiful things where we started, you know, the talk with Chris and I. What if we just said, I want infinite money, and then you get infinite money? Like, be careful what you wish for. Could be the sports car incident. Could be somebody knocking at your door every day at 4 a.m. There's always something you didn't think of, and extremes start to distort. So you've got to, like you said, you've got to have a moment of struggle. A moment of ah, a moment of struggle, a moment of ah. And when you look at it differently, that moment of ah becomes, I mean, what kind of a maniac trains for a marathon or to climb Mount Kilimanjaro? It's not that fun doing that, but you know at the end of it, you're going to go, oh, this is the best brunch I ever had, or I'm at the top of the mountain, or I can't believe I made my body do that. That's living. That's what living is. That's it right there. It's not telling your friends you're at the Mount Kilimanjaro, it's the completion. It's knowing the whole journey of that. It's not just the blah, 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 or here I am. It's the whole exchange. So, Yes, of, yes, yes. Oh, I was going to say, real quick, you remind me of what Jocko Willink said. Oh, and yeah. I love it. He said that if I'm pushing a boulder up a mountain, I'm learning and growing in the process. So when I get to the top of the mountain, I'm going to push the boulder back down the mountain so that I can push it back up the mountain and continue to grow. Because if my journey's over, what am I even doing? Yeah, I, I add the mm -hmm. part of that. <laughs> no, no, no. That's awesome. And this is going to be a this is going to be an interesting thing for me because I always show this tattoo. What doesn't kill me only makes me stronger. But to the point of this conversation, when I was 24. I was, our, no, 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 I was 23. I was about to, I was 20, well, actually I was 22. I was about to go through a divorce and I went and got my first tattoo. I went up to Fullerton, uh, up to Fullerton, California. I went to classic tattoo and I got this image. I got, I don't know if you guys can see it, but it's comedy and tragedy, comedy and tragedy. We know comedy and tragedy. Um, so I didn't get it because it was Motley Crue theater pain album was out. I got that at that point in my life from everything that I've been through. This is no joke. 
I went in there and I said, okay, I want comedy tragedy. Oh, are you a thespian? Are you a theater? Are you an actor? I'm like, no, here's the thing. I want to know. I want to remind myself because you guys know, I mean, most people know I have tattoos on me to remind me about something, something about life that I need a, a lesson, a reminder of whatever it is that I'm passionate about, what I need to learn to grow. That was my first tattoo. And I told the tattoo artist because he was like, oh, okay, we're going to do Motley Crue symbol. And I'm like, no, no, no. I said, this is about life. This is about life because when you're happy, enjoy it, embrace it, love it but you're not always going to be happy. There's going to be a juxtaposition that's going to happen. There's going to, there's the yin and yang of life and you're going to be sad. You're going to be hurt. And so I had him put a crack in the mask. I had him put one red dot. It's the only color. I had. I think Chris is breaking it up a little bit, a little bit. Um, also, you know, to Chris, there's point, going to, there he is. Is he back? Hang on one sec. Wait for my internet to come back up. We're going to be down on our luck. And it was just a reminder for me that everything I had been through, that you're going to go through those challenges. You're going to go through that hero's journey and you're going to come out stronger and better for that because you choose to. You choose to have that mindset that I'm not going to be a victim. I'm going to be a victor. So here's my question to wrap this up, Charleston. Okay. So we've been going through so much stuff in the last 18 months, two years with COVID, with everything else that's gone on in the entire world. Uh, we don't need to go into the, to the, to the details. People out there right now are struggling. And this is Scott and, and my serious mission in this world is to impact people every single day that we're alive. However, we can do it with Go Love Now, with Ron and Scripted, with Unfiltered Experience, whatever we're doing, we want to make an impact in this world. If you had a microphone to the entire world right now, and I know that's not a lot, it's not a, it's not a big ask of you because we only have 2 million people watching right now. What would you say to the people right now who have their heads so far up their ass that they can't even see the hole from the ground? What would you say to them to, to like three steps? What would you talk to them? You talked about values before. So maybe a values exercise. What three things would you recommend to people right now to unstick themselves from that old belief and that old mindset to tr create a new attitude? Man, my, my issue is you said three things. <laughs> you don't have to do, How many things? do what, do what you, you think you need to share. Here's yeah. the deal. Here's the deal. You deserve to be happy. And to be happy, to elevate your happiness, it takes action. There are action steps involved in elevating your happiness. It's a process. You have to believe that you deserve to be happy because if you don't believe it, you won't take action. Because it's hard to take action that goes against your beliefs. So when you believe you deserve to be happy, then you're able to take action. And when you look at the action involved that's required for you to elevate your happiness, you can look at that and say, I'm miserable, it's hard, it's a long process. Well, let me tell you something. You are worth the work. You are worth the effort. You always have been. You were born deserving to be happy because nobody earns happiness. When you were born, everyone that loves you and cares about you and was there to see you take your first breath wanted you to be happy. The problem is they don't know how to make you happy, but it's not their responsibility, it's yours. So say the words, I deserve to be happy, and then take action on believing it and making it happen. And when you do, understand that you are elevating the lives of everyone else that loves you and cares about you and wants to see you happy. Because everyone has a bit of misery in them. And when they see you go through the process, you will inspire them to go through the same thing. So you elevating your happiness is not even just for you. It's not selfish to be happy. It's required. I think you're on uh, mute, Chris. You're muted, Chris. So, Charleston, where can people get a hold of you? Well, they, they can go to my um, website, charlestongains.com. You can also find me on LinkedIn. You can just search for my name, Charleston Gaines, or Instagram. You can DM me. Um, yeah, and then really, honestly, just send me a message. Ask me anything. I'm available. Because the truth is, the more that I help you, the more that I help myself. I would lie if I said I was done growing and learning. You are an amazing individual, man. Thank you so much for being here on the Unfiltered Experience. We want to have you back. Such a great conversation. People, please, please, please connect with Charles. And he's an amazing individual. We brought him on the show here because we knew it would be impactful. We knew it would be informative. We know that the strategies that we talked about here tonight from what Charleston shared are proven strategies because we're all sitting here today. We've all gone through our own shit. 
and we're all sitting here today. So Charleston, thank you so much for being here on the unfiltered experience. We'll definitely keep the promos up here for you. We're going to place you backstage right now and we're going to don't go anywhere. We're going to finish out the show, but uh, brother, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. You are welcome. Don't go anywhere. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we went a little bit over on time today because we feel that this experience and this conversation was impactful. It was fluid. I could go on for another two hours with him at least. Scott, what are your thoughts on the conversation tonight, man? Um, I'll wrap up in the final line of what he said um, when he was saying that he'd love to be there to help others and connect with others. And then when he helps somebody else, he helps himself. And Chris, you know, you know, I've talked about this a lot, a lot. The whole world heals if we extend our sense of self. So if it's yeah. not just Scott, it's Scott and Chris. If it's not just Scott and Chris, it's Scott and the United States, or the world, or all things seen and unseen that are living. The quicker we can extend our sense of self and just look at everything that's alive, seen and unseen, when I'm helping that collective to grow, then that's what we're supposed to be doing. So, um, you know, what Chris and I always say too, we have an opportunity to assist you or help you, whether it's through coaching or a podcast or communication or whatever, um, let us help you. And it's great to see that, you know, Charleston is doing much of the same because the more of us, when we start to find our brilliance and come into alignment in heart and mind, when we start to share that and everybody lights their light, eventually we'll just all walk home together. And we're doing that right now. So. Amen, brother. Amen. Amen. You know, there's not much I can tack onto that. Honestly, it's just, it's really the message that you guys take from this conversation tonight. It's up to you. Like we said at the top of the show, if you missed it, please go back and watch it. I dance, Scott dances. It's great. It's awesome. You've got to go back and check it out. But really what we set out for the intention tonight was that you take this conversation and you take one aspect, one component of what it is that Scott Charleston or myself said tonight, or all three of us, and you take those and you put them into action. Again, we talked about this and I've been thinking about this a lot lately. It's about awareness. It's about acceptance and then it's about action. So if you're aware and you accept where it is that you are, the next step, like Charleston said, we've said tonight is to take that action because what it's going to do is it's going to perpetuate. It's going to create a flow of confidence. You're going to be able to realize that you are more powerful and more confident than you really, really uh, realize because of the, of the inputs that have been put into your brain. And once you rewire that and you sit there and look back at it and say, listen, I forgive you. I have empathy for the situation that you were in. We didn't even get a chance to talk about that, Scott is if I walked in your shoes, if I, and this is the thing that I did, if I walked in my mom's shoes, would I be like her? Yes or no? Absolutely. So if I walked in her shoes, then I have to have grace. I have to have an understanding and empathy that she was here as a portrayal of my soul contract that was designed to teach me a lesson. I was just telling somebody that the other day, Scott, I'm like, she literally died the day I moved into this house. It was like a handoff. She's like, okay, Barb, you got Chris from here. You got Chris from here. I'm my journey's done. I've got, I've done all the different lessons that I needed to teach Chris. He's got them. He's passed them. My time here is done. So when I reframed my perspective and I had, and I had grace and empathy for her and, and realized that she really did try to do the, the quote unquote best that she could, but ultimately all the things that I was put through, all the things that I grew through have made me the man I am today. And that's the same story for you guys, the same story, no matter what you've been through, you can use that as an opportunity to say, this is, this is who I am today. This is who I choose to be today by the actions that you take, by the people that you surround yourself, by the content that you take in, by the investments you make with coaching or mentors, or at least getting an accountability partner. You have to have some friction in your life that causes you to address the truth that you are avoiding because most people are avoiding everything with a short-term gratification. So if you find yourself watching Netflix, looking at your phone, doing whatever it is more than you are addressing your situations and you're trying to grow yourself, guess what? You're going to end up with a life of regrets, a life of regrets. So it's up to you. It's your life. It's your choices. It's nobody else's. We are Scott and Chris. This is the unfiltered experience. We will be back here Friday night next week, 5 PM Pacific standard time. Go to the unfiltered experience.com www.theunfilteredexperience.com. Go there, check it out. You can become a part of the family on the Facebook group and the Facebook page. We would love to have you here and have more unfiltered conversations. Until next week, please go out there, be the change you want to see. Go be the solution you want to see and stop bitching about shit that you cannot control. We love you guys. Peace out.